Hey everyone, I am so excited for you to hear today's episode. It is going to be mind-blowing, particularly if you haven't heard of Dr. Terry Walls before. I know a lot of you probably have heard of her, but her story is just incredibly powerful and I love that it is coming from a place of both personal experience and also with um, scientific um, experience and backing and because we really just need to be able to bridge these worlds of utilizing nutrition and supplementation and lifestyle changes with our sort of allopathic approach in this country, right? That's the only way that we're <clears throat> going to really start to heal our bodies on a different level and work with MS and other autoimmune disorders. So we're about to jump into that really quickly. I just wanted to share with you in case you didn't know that I have been doing free EFT sessions every Monday on my YouTube channel. So if you just go to YouTube, search out Christine Garvin, you will find my YouTube channel and you can subscribe so that you don't miss any of those. And basically they're all EFT sessions around hormone health. So different aspects. So for example, this week I actually started my period and was thinking about menstrual cramps because that's such a huge thing that so many women deal with. And so I did one on menstrual cramps and I was like, here you go. You got something to help you calm your nervous system, which is definitely a huge component of any sort of physical manifestation that's going on. So I also have uh, one in there on helping you to sleep better. I have one um, on getting into your body. There's going to be new ones every week. So best way to keep up with that and this really free, powerful medicine, I really do think of it as so, so powerful, something you can do for yourself very easily and relatively quickly, usually 10 minutes or less. Just subscribe so that you don't miss any of those. Um, other than that, if you haven't taken the quiz yet on my website, go to christinegarvin.com, take the what is my hormone issue quiz so that you can really know what specifically you need to target if you kind of have just like general hormonal issues, right? We're always about targeting it so that we can really get underneath what's going on specifically for you and get you feeling better quickly. So go check that out. Um, I think that's it for now. So I'm going to uh, head off here, let you dive into the episode, and I will see you soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. This is going to be a super powerful episode, especially for those of you out there that either deal with MS yourself or have a family member that deals with MS, or even if you're concerned because it maybe runs in your family, it's a genetic issue, because there is so much more available around MS, you know, in general these days, but 
what we found from our guests today is that there's so much that you have um, maybe not full control over, but the choices that you make in your daily life impacts this issue and so many other issues too. So we're going to dive in with today's guest, who is Dr. Terry Walls. And she's an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner and a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, where she conducts clinical trials in the setting of multiple sclerosis. In 2018, she was awarded the Institute for Functional Medicine's Linus Pauling Award for her contributions in research, clinical care, and patient advocacy. She's the author of The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions using paleo principles, and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life. Learn more about the current study, Efficacy of Diet on Quality of Life and Multiple Sclerosis, at walls.lab.uiowa.edu. We'll have that link in the show notes and then pick up a one-page handout for the Walls Diet at terrywalls.com backslash diet. Welcome, Dr. Walls. Hey, how are you? I'm so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. What an amazing, um, just incredible work that you're doing. And then, you know, for anybody that's not aware of you, although I'm sure most people that are listening to this are aware of you, you know, you have a personal story that goes Mm -hmm. along with this area of research and this area of focus. So I would love to hear about that. Um, So I'm a board certified internal medicine doc uh, and was very happy, uh, you know, doing my academic work. Uh, But then my real education began Mm. um, because... I developed some weakness in my left leg. Mm. Uh, I was out walking with my wife, uh, Jackie, a half mile from home. My leg goes weak, mm. dragging it, I hobble home. Uh, and then when I see the neurologist, he says, Terry, this could be bad or really, really bad. Mm. You know, and I begin the workup. As I'm going through uh, all the scans uh, in the various uh, diagnostic procedures mm-hmm. at night i'm you know laying in bed next to jackie and i'm thinking about the fact that i've had 20 years of worsening electrical face pain mm. my dad had uh, myelonitis multiplex and had his pain become uh horrible uh over 30 years and so like okay i've got a progressive disease mm. uh, and i'm praying for a rapidly fatal diagnosis because i don't want to become disabled yeah i don't want to be a burden to my family yeah. Uh, in three weeks later, I hear multiple sclerosis. I am a doc, so I do my research. I find the very best MS centers in the country. Mm-hmm. I know which one of their docs is the very best one. That's the person I go see. Mm-hmm. I take the newest drugs. So I treat my disease as aggressively as I can. Mm-hmm. Three years later, I hear tilt, recline, wheelchair. And my face pains have been getting you know relentlessly uh, worse. I'm going to pain clinics again, the same, the best pain clinics everywhere. My ten-year-old uh, daughter hugs me. You know, as tears stream down my pain, uh, pay my face when my pain turns on. Mm-hmm. And I ask myself, you know, Terry, are you really doing all that you can? Yeah, and that's when I go back to reading the basic science, mm-hmm. and I'm reading PubMed, you know, uh, slogging through these basic science articles uh, about the animal models of MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, ALS, uh, and I decide mitochondria are what mm. drive disability. Mm-hmm. And so I again uh, do slog through the research, figure out which supplements are as helpful for mitochondria. 
and I can figure out that I do feel, you know, a tiny bit better taking my supplements than when I don't. Mm -hmm. Then I discover using electrical stimulation of muscles. Mm. Uh, and it's in people who are paralyzed. They're never going to walk. Right. But um, they have a higher quality of life uh, doing the E-STEM. I asked my physical therapist. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, this is E-STEM. We use it for athletes to help them recover more quickly. Yes, I can grow bigger muscles, no problem, but I don't know that those muscles will talk to your brain. Right. So I could be putting ankle weights on your legs, making it harder to take the few steps that you are taking. But I convince him to let me try. Mm -hmm. Says, you know, this is gonna be painful, Terry. And you have a lot of issues with uh, really bad pain. Mm. So we do this session and it hurts bad. I mean, really, really bad. Mm. But when it's over, I feel great. Mm. And it's the best I have felt in years. Now, that, wow. that euphoria is pretty brief. Sure. <laughs> but uh, he lets me do this every day for the next two weeks or you know, five days, you know, every day in clinic. Mm -hmm. Then he gets me a home-going device and we add it to my uh, home-going exercise routine. Now, keep in mind, I am so weak, I can do only 10 minutes of exercise because if I do anything long, and it's really tiny, little, tiny, tiny, mm -hmm. tiny little mat exercises. Mm -hmm. If I do more than that, I cannot function for about 36 hours. Wow. My mind is still pretty clear. I can take a few steps using two walking sticks. Otherwise, I'm in a tilt recline wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I am too weak to sit up. I can only sit up 10 minutes. I'm, I have a special chair, a zero gravity chair in my office. I, um, and I'm staffing residents you know, laid back with my knees higher. Uh, mm -hmm. And at home, I'm in a zero grab chair when I'm with my family. And that's how I eat. And my, wow. you know, my wife's really afraid, like, dear God, I'm going to choke and right. you know, uh, aspirations. Yeah. And I've developed some brain fog. And my chief of staff at the VA, you know, and I, I don't criticize him for this. I think it's very reasonable. He assigned me to the traumatic brain injury clinic. I was going to start in January. And I was going to see the patients without residence. So I have to get up, examine them. And I'm like, like told, describe the job to Jackie. She goes, Terry, there's no way you can do that job. Right. Yeah. And we both knew what he was doing was forcing me to apply for medical disability. Mm. And I said, okay, you know, in January, I'll go to that clinic and either I can do the work or I can't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was a, a very depressing summer. Oh, so intense. I, I, you know, I, I'm doing East I'm like, okay, I got to be all in because the end is going to happen in January. So I'm doing the East to as much pain as I can tolerate. I'm uh, doing all these supplement cocktails. I discovered the, the Institute for um, Functional Medicine. Mm -hmm. It looks really pretty interesting. They have a course on neuroprotection. Uh, and I take it, they talk a lot about mitochondria. So I have a longer list of supplements. Mm -hmm. I add them, you know, not a lot's happening. I have these short bouts of euphoria uh, from the East M and my family's laughing uh, at, at me doing it, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm doing that. Yep. And then I had this big aha, Christine, and I'm so embarrassed, like now, and I just feel like, my, my God, how long did it take me to have this aha? So I had switched from a low fat vegetarian diet, mm. which I'd followed for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. to a paleo diet five years earlier. So the year okay. before I hit the wheelchair. Okay. So no gluten, no dairy, no grains, no legumes. Yeah, more meat and vegetables. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I asked this question, like, okay, I have this long list of nutrients I'm taking in supplement form. What if I figure out where they were in the food supply? Mm-hmm. And I redesigned my paleo diet. So now it's very specific what I should be eating to maximize, you know, there were like 18 different things that I had identified as, as important. So that was a few more months of research. Mm-hmm. And I start this new way of eating December 26th. Uh, and the other thing that I do is sort of interesting is like, if it's not organic, I'm not eating it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now keep in mind, December 26th, I'm going to have brain fog. My face pain is certainly getting more difficult to turn off. The future that I know based on having watched my dad is that eventually my face pain is going to turn permanently on. Mm-hmm. At this mm-hmm. point, when it's on, I'm taking a gram of solumedrol every day going to the pain clinic every day. Yeah. And it takes five days to get the turn off. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, I, when it's turned on touch, light, sound, chewing, swallowing, speaking mm-hmm. triggers the most horrific electrical pain I've ever known. Worse than surgery, worse than broken bones. Worse than active labor by far. Mm. So I'm a big conversation with Jackie. I rewrite my living will. So if I stop chewing, talking, swallowing, there's no feeding tube, mm-hmm. no IV fluids. Yeah. So it gives me great comfort, like, okay, the end will happen. Right, right. Uh, and, and we do all of that the summer of 2007. Okay. January comes, I go to this new clinic and I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm not gonna be able to do this job. The first two weeks, I just have to watch. And Jack and I like, okay, now I should be able to watch from my, you know, wheelchair, you know, mm-hmm. all the way back. Mm-hmm. Third week, um, I have to start doing, you know, the exams. Mm-hmm. And so that first day I go over my wheelchair I'm interviewing the vets and I'm standing up doing the exam and I'm sitting down writing my notes. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I was able to do it. Mm. And Jack and I talk about that. And at the end of the week, I was able to do it. Wow. Big deal. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the month, I so you know about five weeks of this new way of eating mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, zapping the hell out of my muscles as yeah. much pain as I could tolerate. Yeah. And what, by the way, when I was doing that, you know, I'm sweating. Yeah. Cause it's so cause painful. I, you know, it's like, I, I knew this was it. Yeah. I, I was all in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tell Jack, I, I want to sit up in a regular chair for supper mm-hmm. and we get the chair and I sit up oh. for supper. Wow. Uh, and my physical therapist says, Terry, you're getting stronger. He advances my exercises, increases the time. And we begin, you know, advancing my exercises. I, and then in February, uh, maybe it was March. You know, it's, it's all sort of blurs now. Sure. I, I, I began walking a little bit more at the hospital, stunning my colleagues who saw me in the hallway, right. walking with my walking they're like, stick. Like, oh my God, what, like you're what, reversing what's going things on? Here, yeah. And they think I'm on Tizab. I don't know. You know, I, I was on that several years ago. Didn't do a damn thing. Mm. Uh, 
and and I explained like you know I I I'm, I I re, retooled my diet I'm uh, uh and I showed them my e-stim device mm-hmm. and so then I start walking with one walking stick then without any walking sticks and people are like oh my god what's happened yeah uh, and then you know in April I'm walking around the block and I tell Jackie you know you think I could try riding my bike well I haven't done that in six years. And she says, you know, if this things keep going well, maybe this fall. A couple weeks later, it's Mother's Day. I really want to try riding my bike. We have an emergency family meeting. And Jackie tells my 16-year-old, six-foot-five son, Zach, you run alongside in the left. And she tells my 13-year-old daughter, Zeb, you run alongside in the right, and she'll follow. Mm-hmm. And we all get in a position she waits until there's no cars. And I bike. Yeah. You know that big 16-year-old boy? He's crying. No. The 13-year-old, she's crying. Jackie's crying. And as you can tell, when I tell this story, I cry again. Yeah. Because that was the moment I understood that secondary progressive multiple sclerosis which I had understood was irreversible once you lost function that nothing ever came back. But now things were coming back. Mm -hmm. And who knew how much recovery might be possible? I I kept biking a little more every day. And then in October, Jackie said, let's sign you up for the courage ride 18.5 miles. Wow. (laughs) You know, from May to October. So we signed me up. And once again, we're all crying, but yeah. I crossed that finish line. You know, and that Amazing. fundamentally changes how I think about disease and health. It changes the way I practice medicine, and it will change the focus of my research. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. And forgive me, I got to wipe my nose. Yes. Because, uh, yeah. This is a very emotional, uh, uh, personal uh, thing that I'm discussing. Yeah, and I think... The power coming from a doctor going through this experience, right? It takes it up 10 notches for a lot of people because, you know, I know a lot of my clients, people that come to me, they, they struggle with, you know, any level of chronic illnesses that are impacted in so many different ways. And, and they, you know, maybe go to a doctor that doesn't really understand that. And, and so to have you share your experience and this sort of, you know, heart connection that I think you set up in sharing that experience with people and, and that people can really be seen within your story. And they can see themselves. You know, I, 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 I you know, I treat my disease aggressively and mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate to treat your disease aggressively. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be in a wheelchair. You don't want to become demented. But for a long time, I gave all of the control to my physicians. I'll, I'll just see the best people, uh, follow their advice. And, and, you know, I thought a very low fat diet was the right, right. thing, but it wasn't the right thing for me. Right. Uh, the paleo diet I thought was the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, mm-hmm. but not right enough for yeah. me. Yep. Uh, and so I kept trying to do all that I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fortunately, I was able to eventually through you know, brute strength, reading, searching, tinkering, found a program that you know, I was designing for my mitochondria, for my cells, mm-hmm. that did the unthinkable, mm-hmm. the unimaginable. 
Uh, and what's really quite remarkable is, you know, I was remarkably better, Christine. You know, I'm, I'm walking around. I, 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 my pain is gone. My fatigue is gone. My mental clarity is improved. But I had accepted what my all of all of my physicians had told me is, with secondary progressive MS, functions once lost are not coming back. So I, as part of my adaptation strategy, I let go of the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, I'll just get through today, yeah. whatever today brings. Yeah. And so I had no idea what walking meant. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what being pain-free meant. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what having plenty of energy meant because that was just happening today. Right, right. Because I'd let go of the future. And then when I rode that bike, it's like, I don't know how good my future could be, but it might be pretty good. Yeah. I don't know how close I'll get to normal. Mm-hmm. And my kids laugh, say, Terry, mom, you'll never be normal. <laughs> so, you know, quit, trying okay. to th- quit, quit talking about that. You're never going to be normal. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think I, I definitely want to kind of dive into the mitochondria here in just a moment. But what you just said about um, sort of letting go in ways of what we have this ideal of what the future should look like, you know, and sometimes that can get us too caught up mm-hmm. in, in, you know, I think it's really important, obviously, to when you are able to, to keep a positive mindset, but definitely living out here, I think can hinder the healing sometimes. And what you're talking about is really taking that day by day and step by step. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that I had accepted that I'd never recover. I was just going to get through my day and find meaning in what was happening today. Mm-hmm. So I had to reimagine parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of my uh, really big ahas was, um, for me, the most important thing was that my children would grow up to be successful emotionally and financially, and that they were going to watch me. Mm-hmm. And what they saw me do was going to be more important than what I said. And they could either see me giving up mm-hmm. into the despair that I felt. Let me tell you, I certainly sure. felt plenty of despair about my future bedridden, demented, dying with intractable pain. Mm-hmm. So horrible future mm-hmm. that, I, that I knew in my heart was my future. Right. Or they could see that, by God, I was doing everything that I could every day, uh, doing my little exercises, uh, doing some meditations every day. Uh, and yeah, giving them chores, mm. which they, you know, developmentally, they of course were pissed off about the chores. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, and uh, so I'm getting more and more disabled. And my mo- inner mantra was, "Your kids are watching. Keep doing the best you can, mm. because they're going to have really difficult times that they will have to endure too." Right. Absolutely. And they will have assimilated that. Yep. Yeah. Well, I had difficult times and I just kept doing the best that I could every day. And, yeah. And now my, it's interesting. My children are adults, you know, 31 uh, and 28. And they talk about, um, you know, certainly incredibly hard for them. Uh, that would be an adverse childhood experience to see your parent become progressively more disabled, you know, very tough thing for them to have grown up with but also the gift of 
seeing me do my little workout and meditations every day. Yep. And just like, yep, life's tough, but you do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they got to see like, oh my God, <laughs> it worked. Right. The, absolutely. And that's the important part too, is that, you know, I think so often we feel like these things won't work or that, you know, we're sort of doomed to be in a certain place. And so um, it, it really speaks to sort of the commitment that we have to make around health, right? And we see it more and more today with autoimmune disorders just so prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having this conversation uh, uh, with my um, research collaborators. So I've I've got, I finally have attracted a nice cadre of some basic scientists who are trying to uh, understand why my interventions work. Mm -hmm. We're really good on one molecular pathway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have this conversation like, yep, what you're doing helps understand physiology. It doesn't understand mm. health. Mm. If you want to understand health, now it's a much more complicated network interaction. Uh, and so what you need to do is pair yourself with someone who does a diet and lifestyle intervention, mm-hmm. and then look at the molecules behind the whole intervention, mm-hmm. as Absolutely. opposed to looking at just one molecular pathway that will never create health because if we look at your cells, my cells, every second there's two million chemical reactions mm-hmm. that keep everything sort of, you know, within <laughs> um, the control variables. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, nutrients uh, uh, can't be too high or too low, or things get out of balance. So you have to keep everything sort of in range. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very complicated network. Mm-hmm. So we could we could learn uh, physiology molecule by molecule molecular pathway, but you cannot learn health that way. You cannot create health that way. Right. Absolutely. And finally, I'm finally I'm finally attracting the correct basic scientists colleagues who are like, you know, Terry, I think you're onto something. <laughs> this brand new thing nobody's been talking about. You're you're onto something. <laughs> Uh, and we have a freezer full of biospecimens, uh, and you know we are now designing. Okay, so how are we going to begin to understand my freezer? Mm-hmm. To begin to understand the impact I'm having on molecular pathways mm-hmm. through this radical concept that I have of you use a multimodal approach towards creating health because yeah. you you want to try support all these metabolic pathways that we know about yeah nudge them a little bit as many pathways as you can can. nudge a little bit yeah well it's it's sort of you know for a long time there if you look at traditional medicines you know um chinese medicine ayurveda all of those it it was a holistic picture right and then we came into the time of allopathic medicine you know in the west and it's been hugely helpful in a lot of ways, but it gets into that very, like, this is the one area that we're focusing on, right? There's different doctors for all the areas. And now it's like, we're starting to bring back in this, you know, hopefully combination best of both worlds. Correct. You know, and I always have to make it very clear to my patients that I am not anti-drug. There are certainly uh, indications where it's important to take these really potent disease-modifying drugs to stop the 
relapses, decreased number of enhancing lesions. Uh, and the goal is to also simultaneously help you create health mm-hmm. and then stun your treating physicians like, well, Matt, you are doing really, really well. There are no enhancing lesions, no relapses, no flares of your other autoimmune problems. And then, and we don't know how long you need to be in that great space. Is it a year, two years, three years? Because we don't have any research to guide that. So I I let people know, we don't know. So in your heart, you have to pay attention to how long you want to be in that zone before you have the conversation with, you know, I'm doing so well. I want to transition to a disease modifying drug that has fewer side effects. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's begin that transition. So you have that transition. And then we find that people, uh, and depending on the individual, they have a short transition or a fast transition to uh, fewer and fewer drugs. Mm. Uh, and we certainly see people uh, do extraordinarily well uh, when they, uh, as they transition off their disease-modifying drugs. I, I, and now, though, I'm very, very careful, Christine, to emphasize that diet and lifestyle is now your disease modifying treatment. Right. And so it becomes tempting to think I'm better. Right. I could right. go back to that pizza and beer that I so enjoyed that yeah. deep dish Chicago pizza and cold beer that I so loved during right. residency in college. And it really was delicious. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. You no, know, it's just incredibly delicious. Uh, and we see people, you know, forget yeah. and have some foods that are very inflammatory for them. So right. now suddenly they get a severe flare of their autoimmune disease right. and their specialist will say, see, I told you this doesn't mm, work. Right, right. And I want to be in the other ear saying, see, I told you that abandoning your diet and lifestyle means that you stopped your disease modifying treatment abruptly and of course you're going to have a rebound gonna have inflammation absolutely yeah um uh, and so we try very hard when people are are go as they experience success is to have them understand our diet and lifestyle becomes the most potent disease modifying treatment and if you abandon it because you go back to a terrible diet you go back to stress go back to terrible sleep go back to sedentary lifestyle those are the disease promoting troubles yep. that will cause your disease to flare. Yeah. And everyone who's listening, whether you do have an autoimmune illness or not, this is the same information that you they need. You know, this oh, is yeah. true for any health issue. You know, it, it, Christine, we should also mention the prodromes hmm. uh, because many of your audience may not yet have multiple sclerosis or an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. But they may have some of these prodromes that we now know are like five to 15 years ahead of mm. the overt diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus, or any of the other 80 known systemic autoimmune diseases that are really you know, terrible for wrecking your body. Mm-hmm. So those prodromes, and I can talk about this from my own experience, because now, so as an adolescent, I had migraines, I had severe headaches. I had really uh, painful periods, uh, and um, I had exercise-induced asthma, thickened skin over my knees and elbows. Oh, not not overt psoriasis. Okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. all this is showing up 
age 12 to 18. But I'm still really, really strong. I'm an, you know, I, I'm an athlete on the farm, a, you know, hardworking farm kid, very, very strong. Go to college, get into Taekwondo. Um, I, and uh, I'm very good at that. And I compete nationally. Uh, and I'm giving people concussions. Occasionally I get one myself. Yeah. I, and, and so concussions and all those things I just listed increase your risk of MS and right. autoimmunity. Right. Then I start having my first neurologic symptom during medical school. Mm. Uh, and that was electrical face pain, uh, trigeminal neurology, which is common in MS. Mm -hmm. It's not a diagnostic criteria for clinical isolated syndrome yet, but I expect it will be uh, probably the next time they do the McDonald's uh, criteria. Um, then I have an episode of dim vision that in retrospect was optic neuritis, but you know, fortunately no one told me, uh, that because I had kids, had I known that I had MS, I would not have had my two children. So right. I'm, I'm so grateful. I had endometriosis. So infertility. Yeah. Um, and by then I also realized that the thickened skin on my elbows and knees was really mild psoriasis. So I'd give myself steroid creams, got those under control. Uh, my migraines were worse. My trigeminal neuralgia was worse. Uh, and uh, again, infertility is uh, in endometriosis are increased in people who go on to have autoimmunity. Right, right, yeah. Uh, and uh, the other thing that it can be a proto is pain mm. that, you know, tenosynovitis somewhere, uh, uh, pain in your hands, your feet, uh, that we, we, we try a variety of things, never get really good control. In the next five to 15 years, often that ends up being progressive MS. Mm. Interesting. So the common protoms, let me list them for your audience, migraines, uh, chronic headache, asthma, skin problems, infertility, pelvic pain, heavy periods, endometriosis. The only one that I didn't have was uh, chronic progressive pain. And I'll tell you, the reason I didn't have that is because the farm kid, if you ever complained, you just got more chores. Right. <laughs> so, so you pushed down that pain. <laughs> so, you know, I was going to admit that I had pain because yeah. hell, you know, that's, you know, that was just part of my up, upbringing was, yeah. Yeah. So you have pain. Yeah. Right. Right. Just keep pushing forward. Just keep doing life. Yeah. So yeah. what? You have pain, not a big deal. Yeah. Just you have chores to do. Life is here. Yeah. You just keep going on. Yeah. So go, go ahead. Yeah. Finish your thought. Those are warning signs that something's not working right in your body, that you don't have full health and vitality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have someone help you work at getting your health back at the cellular level, in five to 15 years, you're going to have a systemic autoimmune problem, whether it's MS or lupus, psoriasis, Bichette's, or any of the 80 known autoimmune diseases, or the 200 autoimmune processes, that shit's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yep. So can I ask you, because I think this really um, is such an important part to bring back, we were talking about the mitochondria just in the beginning, oh, and yeah. it, sort of explain, you know, for people to, that don't fully understand that what mitochondria does, and then how maybe your mitochondria, you believe maybe was impacted in order, you know, for 
setting the stage for something like yeah. MS. Well, I'm going to take us back about uh, 3 billion years ago when life was single cellular organisms and we developed photosynthesis and the cyanobacter. Uh, the oxygen level rose and killed off, we think, like 98% of all life. Mm. One of the, uh, over millions of years, uh, a bacteria evolved that could handle oxygen very effectively to make adenosine triphosphate or the energy currency molecule that all life uses to help us drive the biochemical processes, those 2 million things that have to happen every second mm -hmm. to keep it, you know, life going. So the these ancient bacteria were really good at using oxygen. They developed something called the electron transport chain. They got engulfed by bigger bacteria. And over again, millions of years, these new organisms were very efficient, became multicellular, became plants, became fungi, became animals, uh, evolved to include movement, uh, and eventually all of the organs that we have, our, our, our nervous system, blood vessels, bones, et cetera. But they're all dependent on the efficiency of these little mitochondria that generate the ATP, mm -hmm. which is like the currency molecule in our cells that we can use to make the chemical reactions happen. Because every chemical reaction has a little tiny cost. Mm -hmm. And so you got to pay for that. And we mm -hmm. pay for it with the currency that our mitochondria can make. Mm. And so if the cell has really important work, there's more mitochondria in that cell. And the cells that have the most mitochondria, brain, retina, heart, um, I, 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 and so as the mitochondria can't work quite as well, don't generate quite as much currency, the biochemical reactions don't happen as efficiently. Mm -hmm. And so that organ can't work as efficiently. So that shows up as fatigue, brain fog, mm -hmm. um, irritability, because we can't manage our emotions and interpret the social interactions correctly. So I'm pissed off more easily. Right. Uh, so I, I'm more anxious. Uh, I'm more angry, more irritable. Uh, I have fatigue. Uh, my vision's not quite as good. Uh, my heart uh, won't, won't be as effective. Eventually, my muscles uh, fatigue more. Eventually, my organs can't make insulin and hormones as well. Mm -hmm. They can't get rid of the trash as well. And so overall, the health and vitality of the organism declines. All right. And so is you know it's really interesting that early on, I figured out mitochondria were key to getting healthy, and so I really focused on uh, the uh, supplements that support the electron transport chain. You know, magnesium, uh, zinc, selenium. Uh, I threw in some iodine. I, you know, all good all for the, the thyroid too. <laughs> yep. All, all, all yep. these B vitamins uh, were really important. Uh, some lipoic acid, carnitine, CoQ. So I've taken, you know, a fistful of supplements. It's really pretty interesting. It all, you know, focused on what I was learning, going back to my, my biochemistry uh, that I learned uh, in medical school. Like, okay, what are the cofactors? How do I make all this happen? You know, pulling out my text. Um, and, you know, all those supplements were helpful. I've certainly felt worse without them. Mm -hmm. 
But what is truly fascinating is that the magic happens when I redesign my paleo diet based mm. on this, you know, this complicated list of supplements and said, mm-hmm. where's it all in the food? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and to me, um, and this is what I keep telling my research team is, you know, life is really complicated. It's very naive for us to think that we can identify all the, the key ingredients and that those are enough. Right. It's much more complicated than that. And that's why I think the emphasis on food and lifestyle will be much more effective. I, I, you know, yeah. And supplements certainly can be very helpful in the beginning. Sure. So yes, I, I still use supplements. And yes, I still feel better when I take my supplements. Uh, and probably, um, I, you know, I, I certainly, there's plenty of reason to think I have damaged mitochondria from, for a variety of reasons, in that my mitochondria need continued support. Right support. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and my kids will probably need far less because we're figuring this out much earlier. You know, mm. we didn't figure out for me until I was 52. So, right. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. It's. Uh, Do you feel like there was a um, a genetic component to the mitochondrial function? Oh yeah, lower? sure, sure. So absolutely, uh, and for for all of us, there there is the genes that happened. Mm-hmm. There is the epigenetics I have, right. you know, from my parents, grandparents, great grandparents, and I can sort of look back at the physical traumas that they experienced. Right. Yes. Uh, that got you know, passed on to me. So mm-hmm. that's absolutely part of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, infections, right. and that we're probably more vulnerable to infections, uh, because of toxic load. Yeah. And after World War Two, all of us got exposed to a lot more toxins yep. through our food, through our agricultural practices, industrial practices. I, 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 you know, and through our own occupations and uh, our uh, hobbies. So I, I've got that, which probably made me more vulnerable uh, to a variety of infections. Mm-hmm. I um, sleep, stress, you know, and uh, we can sort of think about, you know, some of the stresses that, that I experienced early, early life stress with my sister dying when I was mm. eight. Mm-hmm. Huge life stress that yeah. would uh, hit my family for many years. Yeah. Uh, I, during medical school and residency, um, you know, I, I'm gay. I was trying to not let people see my real self. Right. Uh, and that's at a time where if people knew that you were gay. I could be uh, thrown out of medical school, mm-hmm. uh, lose my license. Uh, you know, there's certainly valid reasons to be anxious and fearful uh, over that. Yeah, uh, I had a couple of romantic boo-boos, shall mm. we say, like uh, mm-hmm. all young people, and I had to <laughs> deal with, with uh, that trauma. Right. Uh, so, yeah. you know, life there is messy is. and hard. Yeah. Well, and thank you for listing all of those out because I think sometimes, yeah, I can see it with my clients, you know, they get caught up in, okay, what, made this happen? What caused this? And, you know, we have to understand that there's so many different factors and, and especially I think the toxic load that we have to deal with at this point in history, people don't quite understand how much that impacts our bodies. Correct. It, it, it it's everything. 
-hmm. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we talk about what is the root cause of my illness. I'm like, man, there's so many. Right. <laughs> all of there, those there, things there's... you just listed. Yeah. So all of those things for yeah. me, all of yeah. those things probably for you. And and I yes, I certainly go through uh, someone's health timeline, mm -hmm. their life timeline, and have them reflect on. So what are the factors that they can identify? And I point out that over years, things that I had glossed over, I now realize, oh, wait, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's only mm -hmm. recently that I've that I've acknowledged that the death of my sister and the trauma that that caused yeah. was a really big deal. Right. Huge impact, right? On a on a kid. I mean, anyone. Uh, on but a on child. A kid. Yeah. You know, so absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we may uncover these factors at a point when our awareness is ready to address that issue, the depth of that pain, the or the work associated, you know, it took a while, right? Uh, I learned that toxins were a big issue. Uh, and so I have been slowly unraveling that and thinking about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, thinking about the infectious contributing factors, but those infections, you know, um, are the infections or are they that the microbial balance that lives in me, in my skin, in my blood, in my brain, and it's sort of shocking to know that we have these microbes everywhere. They never, they never <laughs> really leave us. Right. So is the problem that I have the microbes or is the problem that I have the microbes out of balance. Right. I need more and different microbes. Um, you know, I, and we don't know. Right. Those are big questions that we do not know. Are, uh, are the there some gut bacteria that is linked to MS? Um, well, um, what I think is truly fascinating is it's so it's all over the board. And the Australians see different microbes than the Japanese, than the Americans, than the Europeans. Fascinating. Uh, and so I, uh, my, my simplistic thinking about this is it's not the microbes, it's what the metabolic impacts of the microbial community. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've got about 25,000 genes. My microbes have, we think, between 5 million and 9 million genes. Mm -hmm. And over the ancestral mothers that you and I have, we've had mutations where you can't do an enzymatic step anymore. Right, right. And so that's how our DNA got trimmed down to 25,000 genes because mm -hmm. we, kept, we kept exporting. Mm -hmm. the, if we had a, a, a mutation, so step XYZ could no longer happen, but our microbes could do it, no big deal. Mm -hmm. The... Uh, gene was exported to the microbes and the offspring survived. So we got down Amazing. to 25,000 genes as long as we have the right microbes. Right. And our ancestral mothers had a variety of, of microbes that could fulfill that niche. And how we solved that was different in Africa, in Europe, in Australia, in Asia, North America, South America. And then we sort of you know, we migrate, and then we use antibiotics. Now we have mm -hmm. fewer and fewer microbes. Uh, so it's harder to fill, fulfill all those metabolic requirements. Mm, interesting. Yeah. 
So I, I, I think the interest of which microbes is simplistic. It's probably which metabolites are missing and how do we fulfill that. Um, it, it's why I, I, I spend so much time saying a diverse diet, a diverse diet, mm -hmm. and think about diverse uh, fermented foods. Yes. You know, increase those at a pace that your gut is happy with. Yeah. And yep. you are happy with. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, if, if people follow me, you, you see that I have about a pint of um, or more of fermented sauerkraut, cabbage, uh, kefirs, yogurts uh, every day, mm -hmm. uh, just as a very integral part of, uh, of my diet. Right. And, you know, they found if you are able to make those at home on your own, you know, understandably, if not everybody has the time to do that, but if you do, then those microbes really, you know, uh, intermingle with your own microbes in a different yeah. way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's super interesting research. Uh, uh, if I take a probiotic, it shows up in my stool. I stop the probiotic. It's gone. Mm -hmm. If I have six servings of fermented foods. And by the way, that's just a cup and a half. So mm -hmm. very easy to do in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do that for a month. Mm -hmm. I change my uh, microbiome and then I stop. And you know what? They're still there. Still there. Yeah. Yep. So it, it will, it will actually colonize and live in your gut. Um, so uh, that's why I, I uh, if, if you will tolerate it, and you have to may, maybe do this very, very slow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a great way to make your microbiome and your gut a, a bit more diverse. And I love that you shared that not only because it's important information to know, but you know, I think sometimes I can do this, my clients can do this. We think, okay, what is the supplement? What is you know the thing that I can take when again, we're showing that it comes back to food first, right? Food, food first, has to be food first. first. Yeah, you know, and yes, if somebody has uh, sufficient economic resources, I'll do a, a wide variety of testing. So mm -hmm. um, uh, that can give you very helpful information mm -hmm. to suggest some supplements to fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, six months to a year, retest, then you can trim. Uh, you probably would benefit from a different um, uh, supplement cocktail and mm -hmm. we could perhaps simplify things. Absolutely. Um, but you cannot supplement your way out of a terrible diet, right. uh, inactivity, and a terrible lifestyle. Right, 100%. And, and I want to remind everyone, uh, I was at the VA uh, for the traumatic brain injury clinic. We had great results. Then in my primary care clinic, I started doing what I did, you know, talked about diet and lifestyle. Very, very basic VA kind of primary care labs, you know, CBC, vitamin mm -hmm. D, homocysteine, mm -hmm. yep. B12, folate. Like that was it. Yeah, folks, that was it. You know, I also yeah. would get a fasting glucose A1C. Right. And that's just diet and lifestyle. And my supplements, get this, folks, a B complex, uh, vitamin D, mm -hmm. uh, a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. That's it. Uh, you know, that, that, was all, that was all I had access to. Oh, yeah. I, and we could give me either cod liver oil or fish oil. So gotcha. very, very basic supplements. And these folks are living on food stamps. They're uh, disabled. They haven't worked usually in years. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're shopping in small town, Iowa, small town, Missouri, small town, Illinois. It's traditionally called food deserts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and we had radical transformations of their health. Amazing. So you can do this for people who don't have money. You can do this for people who have very limited um, uh, testing capabilities, very limited um, uh, supplement capabilities. Mm -hmm. And this was all about diet and lifestyle mm -hmm. uh, and a deep understanding of your timeline story uh, and your health story. Yeah. And and we did group visits. Mm -hmm. That group the, the group visit was a really powerful um, tool, uh, and uh, so we did group visits for the intake, and then for the follow up we did group visits. You have a mix of newbies and more senior folks who could be sort of mentors for the newbies. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Yeah, it's amazing, and that's another important point. I think that group aspect is can be so healing for people that they miss out on you know if they kind of take the uh, oh, the lonely path the alone path yes the, yeah. the group path uh, is so helpful yeah. it's helpful to be a mentor to the yep. both as a person who's being the mentor and for the newbie who's like uh now inspired by hope right right absolutely yeah so can you talk a little bit about the research that you're oh, doing yeah. because i know that you're that's yeah, yeah, where you yeah. pivoted to yeah so we have uh, we had the opportunity to do this really amazing research study. We're comparing a ketogenic diet, a uh, modified paleo diet, also known basically as the Walls diet, mm -hmm. uh, to usual diet. Uh, people with relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. uh, who are 18 to age 70, who live in the United States, Canada, or Mexico, and so we have folks coming from Canada and Mexico as well. Mm -hmm. You come to Iowa uh, at baseline. We do all the assessments. We then randomize you to either the keto diet, uh, the paleo diet, or usual diet. So you have to be willing to be randomized. And if you're already on a paleo diet, you have to be willing to be randomized so that if you switch to the keto diet, you'll go like, okay, I'm doing the keto. <laughs> if you're already on a keto diet, you have to be willing to be randomized. And if you get randomized to the paleo diet, you're like, okay, I'll do the paleo diet. And then if you're on the usual diet, you get to keep doing your usual diet. Mm -hmm. So the key is that whatever diet you're following, and a lot of folks now are in fact following diet, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. You just have to be willing to be follow the diet to which you're uh, assigned. Mm -hmm. The two intervention arms, the paleo and the keto, will have some uh, meetings with the dietitian uh, and a little more support to adopt their new diet. The usual folks will get uh, tips from us every month. Uh, it will do that via uh, short little videos or cooking recipes. Mm -hmm. People come back at three months for some blood draws uh, and uh, repeat assessments. And again, at 24 months for blood draws and repeat assessments. The big, the primary question is, can we improve quality of life? Mm -hmm. And then the secondary questions are, can we improve fatigue, anxiety, depression, hand walking, uh, vision function? And what I think will be the most interesting question, Christine, has to do with brain volume. Mm. Because over time, we know that people with MS as a group, uh, our brains are shrinking three times as fast wow. as healthy aging, wow. which is why we have higher rates of anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, frailty, needing nursing home care. Makes sense, yeah. But I'm very hopeful that, in fact, we're going to see that we can get people to healthy rates of aging. Uh, and, uh, and that'll be huge because the DMTs, the disease modifying drug treatments are really great 
at turning off enhancing lesions mm -hmm. uh, in new um, relapses. Mm. But they aren't at all good at anxiety, depression, fatigue, or brain volume loss. Mm. They just don't seem to be able to have that effect. And I think that's because they, they aren't affecting the mitochondria. Right, right. Yeah, and, I, and because clinically, in my clinical care, we see reversal anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, uh, brain fog, uh, so actually, I, I'm super optimistic uh, uh, that the intervention arms will get to healthy aging and also quite possibly the control arm because we also know that for every diet study that's ever done, people in the control arm also improve their diet mm. because, you know, it, we're obligated to consent to say, here's what the control diet is, the usual diet, you get to do what you want. So what you're really testing is here's the intervention diet and we'll have dietitians help you do the intervention diet. And then the control arm will say, you know what? I care about my brain too. So I'm going to try and improve my diet. Cause right. I, you know, I know how, how terrible it is to have MS. Right. So they're going to improve their diet. We do a bunch of diet questionnaires uh, at, at a variety of time points. So we have a sense of what's happening with people's diet. That way I'll know the control arm, what were they eating? Was it like the standard American diet? It mm -hmm. probably won't be. It'll be something better. Better, right. Uh, and it's possible that it'll be a negative study that all three arms are going to improve. Because I, mm -hmm. I know the control arm is going to improve at least somewhat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why the brain volume question will be, in the end, I think the most important question. Because no right. one's, no intervention has protected brain volume yet. And if it turns out this radical thing known as food protects brain volume, this paper, this paper will be in neurology and everyone will be saying like, oh my God. Right. Good. Talk about mind blowing. And I, I mean, I, it fits along with this um, newer approach or, or idea, you know, for so long, we always thought just in general, the brain diminishes as we age. Yeah. Right. And now we're seeing that, that it's constantly can be reinvigorated essentially and create new neural pathways and all of Absolutely. these things. We are continually remodeling our body based mm -hmm. on use and demand. Mm -hmm. So if I don't use my muscles uh, and bones, they disappear. Mm -hmm. If I'm not using my brain to pay attention and learn every day, mm -hmm. we, it disappears. The parts mm -hmm. that are not being used disappear. And the parts that are being used are being reinforced. Mm -hmm. And the highway crews are taking care of the patches and you know making sure that part of my brain is doing really well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, in my clinical practice, I say, man, you want whatever you want to keep, you got to keep using folks. Yep. So 100%. Yep. Yep. That's if a you, good, if, good for everybody to take note. If, if, if you if you don't want to have it, quit using it. Yeah. Uh, and so let, let me tell people the, the easy uh, link to find out about our study is terrywalls.com forward slash MS study. Okay, great. We'll so, make sure that that links in the notes too, in the show notes, so people can go directly there. How long is the study? How long does it okay, last? Okay, so it's a two-year study. We have had, uh, I think we've got 85 people in. Okay. We want to get uh, 156. So there's 71 more spots left. Okay. Uh, so if you're in Mexico, the United States, and Canada, mm -hmm. and you're willing to come to Iowa mm -hmm. at month zero, month three, month 24, we want to have you. Okay. Um, we're on a sacred mission to change the standard of care 
we have to have you know randomized controlled trials. Uh, this I, I think will be one of the largest, longest studies uh, ever done. The study of MS. It will be, you know, and I tell everyone we are, you know, it's a very sacred mission. People who want to be in our study, uh, because we can't do it without you. Mm-hmm. We we cannot change the standard of care without mm-hmm. people willing to come be in our study. Right. Absolutely. It's hugely important work that you're doing. So thank you so much for for doing it and and bringing all of your own wisdom to it. So do you still work with patients one-on-one at this point? Uh, As a matter of fact, I do. We have a a very limited uh, private practice. Um, We also have uh, some group programs. Okay. Uh, And uh, this summer, uh, we'll be having a free uh, MS summit where I'm interviewing all sorts of folks talking about you know, this radical idea that there are things we can do right. to better control our symptoms and improve our outcomes. So I, I'm very Great. excited about that. I'm Great. So, so everybody can interviews. just head to your website to learn about that. Yeah. Well, they won't learn about that just yet. Just yet. Uh, we, we'll have announcements about uh, at the end of June. Okay. And then, because if you tell people too soon, Absolutely. You know, we're all busy. <laughs> that right amount, right amount of time. Um, I'm assuming they can uh, sign up for a newsletter. Yeah, you, you certainly can... want to go to my uh, website uh, and I'll get you that link. It's terrywalls.com forward slash email. So you can be on my email list. I, uh, and that's really great because every week um, I look at uh, the research updates uh, for MS, for uh, dietary trials, for uh, behavior trials, um, mm-hmm. Uh, um, and exercise trials. And I'll uh, comment on a couple of papers that I think highlight that there's stuff that we can do under our control uh, that is research driven. So uh, we have uh, that coming out every week, incredibly helpful. Perfect. All right. We'll make sure that people have the links to all of those places because that's such good information and keeping up with everything. One more thing I should uh, encourage you to do is follow me on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Because then you get to see uh, what I'm eating, uh, what I'm doing. Right. Uh, that is, uh, I think, fun, inspiring. We've we've created a couple of uh, apps to support people in this journey. One oh, is the Walls Diet app. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so a great way for meal plan cooking recipes. Yeah, and then a mobile program uh, for the Walls Protocol that you get support uh, uh, via, uh, your, your phone. <laughs> good, old, good old phone. Yeah. Perfect. That's, that's lots of wonderful options. So thank you for doing that for people too. Cause again, you know, that keeps you kind of, uh, connected to the group support aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, we, we try to give people uh, a whole many tools, uh, to support their journey. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can get free, uh, if you want, want to spend just a little bit of money, we have some uh, support tools. Uh, and um, you can get on the waiting list to come see me because uh, we do see a handful of people as well. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Walls, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all this powerful information because, again, as I said in the beginning, whether you have MS or don't or you know family member, this is such important information across the board for autoimmune diseases and prevention tactics, you know, I mean, even if you don't have, you know, these are the things that goes back to the basics again and again. And I think we forget that, you know, and really like honing in on those. So thanks for bringing sort of the science behind all of that today. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you guys, thanks for being here. And I'll see you next time.